Hey, this is Jason Dillon, pastor at Parkway Church, and I'm so glad you joined this Parkway podcast for powerful inspiration and purposeful insights. I believe this podcast will lift your spirit and lead you into the future God has prepared for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Jason Dillon. What a privilege it is to come to you from Madison, Mississippi, inside our studio here at Parkway Church. So thankful for the blessings of God that gives us the ability to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week, I was talking to you about the multicolored kingdom of God, and I really want to stay with that because there is more to the subject of the day of Pentecost and when God started the kingdom than what we have already unpackaged. I know that I read to you on last week, um, and when you do read the book of Acts in chapter 2, there were a myriad of different cultures that were represented there, people out of every nation. Peter not only preached to them, but they accepted the message of the gospel. They obeyed the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, were baptized in Jesus' name, and God's kingdom began with a a, a flourish of different cultures, which really means different colors. So God, in His glorious design, intended that the kingdom of God should, should be multicultured and multicolored. Why is this? Why should this matter? Why is this something for us to talk about? Because in our world today, there are people who. They just get hung up about different races and different ethnicities. And some believe that it's okay for me to work with other cultures, but when it comes to going to church with them, that's where they draw the line. The problem is, is in the church Jesus founded, He shows us in the beginning and the origin of His church, He shows us that there are many cultures in His church. There are many colors, and I want to talk to you some more about that. I know here in America, if you're connected to the news in any way, you're seeing the riots that are taking place. You're seeing the civil unrest, the class warfare going on uh, between ethnicities, and the Bible talks about this. So let me take you to Luke chapter 21, when the disciples asked Jesus concerning the end of the age. And I believe that we are coming to the end of the age, a period of time. And um, we're nearing the end of human government, and we're about to enter into a time of God's government where Christ will reign in the millennial reign. This will be a thousand-year period of time where Christ will reign. Well, as the Prince of Peace, He will reign. Listen to what the disciples ask. Master, when shall these things be? And what shall and what sign will there be when these things come to pass? Jesus said, Take heed that you're not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them, but when you shall hear of wars and commotions. Guys, if ever we have heard of commotions. Now look at the Greek word for this. The, co- the word commotions means instability, a state of disorder, tumult, disturbance, confusion. If you've watched any of the riots, if you've seen any of these, uh, the pictures that have come out of various cities such as Atlanta, Philadelphia, um, Minneapolis, you have seen commotions, you have seen disturbances. All this is evidence of in time activity. I've said this, but please let me say it again. And if you have heard this, not only remember it again, but 
tell it to everyone you know. We're not looking at another 30 years before Jesus comes back. We're talking about possibly seven to 10 years before Jesus comes back. We are literally living in sight of the coming of the Lord. The Antichrist got up this morning and brushed his teeth. That means not as a baby, but as a political figure in an office ready to be revealed to the world. So we're literally that close. Now, the scripture says, nation shall rise against nation. The Greek word there is ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity, as well as race. Race shall rise against race. And the devil loves confusion and chaos fueled by conflict of any kind. He wants to create any kind of conflict he can so that he can drive a wedge between humanity. Because you can't share the gospel with someone that you are not friendly toward or in peaceful dialogue with. So if he can drive a wedge between races of humanity, how effective is that uh, in stopping the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a message of love? You know, the old uh, spiritual says, makes me love everybody. Well, that's what the Spirit of God does. It causes us to realize that men are made in God's image, and we're called to love everybody. So as a church, as a people, we're understanding as, as I preach about this, as I talk about this, as I pray about this, that the kingdom of God is multicultured, and because of that, it is multicolored. The devil, his ultimate goal is to steal kill and destroy if he can stir up people to hate others based on a bias or preference and they begin to destroy one another his job is done he stirred up brothers in the beginning with Cain and Abel made of the same blood and one shed the other's blood and this is not good God has not called us to destroy one another he's called us to love one another so those of you listening to this podcast those of you watching via Facebook I want to encourage you your your goal as a God-fearing man or woman is to love humanity the way you love yourself well now it's easy to love ourselves because we're us and, and we're valuable to us and and we we bathe our bodies we clothe our bodies we feed our bodies we do all of these things in the name of self-preservation but ladies and gentlemen what about the the love of God that toward other people we should also care for them bodily we should seek to feed them we should seek to shelter them when it is within our power to do so, we should not seek to destroy them or to disown them or distance ourselves from them because they're not like us. The truth is, even within every race, within the white race, the black race, the, uh, the, the and I know there's one race, but within these different ethnicities of brown, white, black, yellow, red, there's even differences of opinion there you just take a an all-white neighborhood and i can guarantee you there's going to be differences and there's going to be hatred in the heart of a man one neighbor against another neighbor why because it's the evidence of a fallen nature but when you are redeemed this must not be the nature that we abide by we must have possess and display the nature of Jesus Christ and that is he loved everybody 
We see glimpses of God's glory on display in the promise that God made to Noah that he would never again flood the earth. The sign of his promise was a rainbow, a multicolored, beautiful emblem of God's brilliant glory. Now, we know the devil has stolen that symbol, and society has made it a symbol of sin, uh, an emblem that kind of represents the homosexual community. That's not where it was originally displayed, and that is not what it was meant. Uh, that sin was not meant to be covered by those colors. Those colors came as God's promise to Noah after the flood that destroyed sin. I will never again flood the earth for man's sake. For man is just a few days and full of trouble. And so God looks at man and says, In my mercy, I'm going to limit your days, and I'm going to seek to save you while you live. Now, let's talk about other moments where we see God using color and the glorious palette of colors to display His goodness. The story of Joseph's coat of many colors displays the celebration of color. And Joseph's brothers hated him for that coat. And ultimately, they tried to kill him. But God turned it for his glory. The same men who sought to sell him and rid themselves of him actually sent him. They did not sell him. But God sent him through their efforts ahead of these very brothers into a land that later would supply and become a source of sufficiency for those same men. Now, Joseph in his human nature could have said, you know what, now that my brothers have come down to Egypt, I have the power, I'll do to them what they did to me, I'll destroy them. But he understood that God had a different plan in place. God was doing this for the preservation of the Hebrew people. And out of the incubation of Egypt, God would grow a nation that would absolutely display and demonstrate Him to the world. Jesus Christ came through the Jewish lineage. I've lived long, long enough in the South. I've heard people actually use this argument or literally be so um, small-minded to say such things or argue, well, Jesus was white. No, Jesus was black. I've got news for everybody. He was a Jew. He was olive skin. Yes, he was probably darker skinned than, than a white man, but he wasn't as dark as a typical black man. But none of that matters. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he reached for every man. He literally demonstrated love to those who in that day, that present day, according to society, they were unlovable. They were outcast. But Jesus loved them. What are we called to do, ladies and gentlemen? As Christians and followers of Jesus the Christ, we're called to love everybody. Who should be allowed to come into the doors of the church you attend? Every person who is physically able to get there. There should never be any, any type of mentality that looks down your nose at someone and says, well, you know, they're, they're not like us. Well, you know, you're not that much either, you know, except with God. If it weren't for God, who are you? And so when we begin to understand we're nothing, we have no platform of position, perfection, or rival at some type of uh, place in life to look at someone else and say, well, you're not as valuable or worth what I'm worth. No, we are all 
God's children and God wants us to love people and reach for people when they are in our proximity. The tabernacle in the wilderness was designed with different colors representing God's glory. So God used multicolors in the tabernacle. Throughout scripture, God has displayed his wisdom in the tapestry of diversity woven throughout creation. Whenever God made trees, he didn't make one type of tree. Whenever God made flowers, he didn't make one type of flower. So you can imagine whenever God is showing diversity in the very creation that he made, in the church, which is also God's creation, he's going to not only allow, he's going to create diversity. Imagine with me a story, and this story is beautiful. It's about a man named Simon who got on a boat and was making his way to Jerusalem, and um, it was time for Passover, and he was going to take his two boys and they were so excited. They had convinced mom that, hey, dad can take care of us. Dad had reassured his wife, honey, I will watch out for these boys. And I'll make sure they're with me at all times. And I keep them in my sight. So they are, they're coming from another country, headed toward Israel, to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so you can imagine when they came into the coast and, and uh, into the place, uh, the city of Jerusalem, the city is in an uproar. There's not only the hustle and bustle, of activity but something is going on there is a, a buzz that's been created by this man named Jesus the Christ and man everybody seems to be talking about him everybody has an opinion about him and so they're, they're wanting to know who he is so they start to inquire and you can imagine somebody maybe loudly protest well he's a rebel rouser and he he doesn't believe in the law of Moses and another man says but but he healed my my mother and Look what he did. He raised the dead and he healed the blinded eyes. And so you have some that are for him. You have some that are against him. And it's just a mixed bag of emotions. And so the tumult that is literally enclosing or, or wrapping the city of Jerusalem around it. Uh, people are, are just, their emotions and their spirits are high. And so into this setting, Simon of Cyrene brings his two boys, Rufus and Alexander. Can you imagine? Maybe they heard the shouts. Maybe they were led to understand, hey, the, you can get a glimpse of him. They're actually, they've just accused him and they're, they're leading him out to be crucified. And so just out of sheer human curiosity, they make their way and they begin to press through the crowd. Imagine with me as I can see Simon using the frame. Perhaps he was a strong individual and he began to push and excuse me, sir, and kind of displace it. Come on, boys, come here. And as they got closer and they, they could hear the yells, here he comes, and there he is, and I hate him, I love him. And there's people shouting, Jesus, and, and crucify him, and all of the emotions that are happening in that moment. And Simon of Cyrene, which just happens to be in Libya, which is a nation in Africa. It is postulated that Simon of Cyrene was more uh, more than likely a black man. And so can you imagine as he gets to the forefront and as he's looking and here comes the Christ. Here comes the Savior of the world struggling under the burden of a heavy, heavy wooden beam. And as he gets close to Simon, maybe he tripped. Maybe the weakness of his body gave way and he fell. And as, if, as he failed, the wooden beam failed. 
the anger of the Romans thinking perhaps this is taking too long. We got to get him out of here. Got to get him crucified quickly. A rough hand grabbed the clothing of Simon of Cyrene. And the Bible tells us in Mark 15, 21, and they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. God allowed a man who was of a different ethnicity than the Jews of that day and in that city to become a part of the tapestry of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ. Why would he do that? Because I believe God had a bigger picture when you read the New Testament, you read about the boys, Rufus and Alexander. They were part of the New Testament church. They became integral figures. Ladies and gentlemen, forgive me for being choked up about this, but I want you to understand, Jesus understood my kingdom will be made up of many cultures and many colors. My kingdom will represent the diversity that I created as God and filled the earth with. I feel the Spirit of God moving right now. Perhaps you're thinking of people who are not like you, but they are intended by God to be a part of the kingdom. So when you witness, when you reach, do not reach past them. Reach for them. When you ask God to lead you, don't think beyond them. Think about them because those within your proximity may not be your ethnicity, may not be your race. They may not be the same as you, but they were designed by God and destined by God. If given a chance to be a part of the New Testament church, and if God allowed Simon, a Cyrenian, to be a part of a moment where it was important for someone to step up, the body of Jesus Christ was too weak to carry the cross it was all he could do to barely stand and stumble and make his way to Calvary. If God allowed a man of Cyrene to be involved in helping to fulfill the mission of bringing salvation to the world, what about you and I? He has graciously allowed us to be in the kingdom. How many more people, beautiful people, made of various skin tones, will he allow to be a part of his kingdom if we, the body, the hands, the feet of Jesus Christ will only reach for them and gather them and pull them and let them know, hey, at our church, you belong because God will cause you to belong via the new birth message of being born again into his kingdom. It is so beautiful to see that God did this. Let me expand on this a little bit further. When you begin to look at Scripture, I want to give to you uh, a Scripture in Acts of the Apostles 13 and verse 1. I'm reading for the, from the New Living Translation. It says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas. We're familiar with him. Then it says Simeon, and in parentheses called the black man. You mean Simeon, the black man, was a part of the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch? 
Lucius from Cyrene, very possibly the same place Simon was from, very possibly a black man. Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas and Saul. Now, wait a minute. Let's break this down and unpackage this. Let me first tell you that Antioch, the Bible records this scripture. And they were first called Christians at Antioch. Why were they not first called Christians at Jerusalem? Because friends, just like now, they were troubled and besieged with prejudice and with racism. And there were Jews who felt like they were superior to other people because they were Jews and others were only Gentiles. Yeah, they may have been welcomed into the kingdom, but we are of the physical lineage of Abraham. So there was a bias based on their very birth that caused them to look down their nose at other people. So the Bible simply says, at Antioch, I'm going to cause people to display my love for humanity and display in the ministry what ministry is supposed to look like. So here we have it. I'm going to read it again. You'll see it on the screen again. Acts of the Apostles 13 verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church, leadership positions were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. Are we saying the King Herod that destroyed children? That, that killed kids in the days of, of Jesus' early, of, of his birth and early childhood? What are we saying? Not only did God allow the various colors of humanity to be represented, but he allowed different social strata to be involved in his kingdom. It wasn't just the poor. It wasn't just the rich. It was a varying degree. In God's kingdom, you'll always have those who are not as blessed. We might categorize them as more poor or less rich, however you choose to categorize that. You'll always have those who are abundantly blessed. But none of those things causes God to look at His children any differently. How many parents are listening to this right now that you show favoritism to your kids? I would hope none. Why? Because every one of your kids is precious every one of your children they're absolutely designed by God and you love them do some of them have strengths that others don't of course some are different natured and nuanced but because they're your kids you love them and you do your best to cause them to live together in harmony to love each other to respect each other guess what our Heavenly Father looks down upon His church and says, You are my kids by the new birth process. You've been born into my kingdom. And because you're mine, I want you to love one another. I want you to respect one another. I want you to live for me and respect your brother, knowing that he is in the same family you are, that he has giftings and callings that you may not. But together... We make up the multicultured, multicolored kingdom of God. Why is this important? 
Because in this day and age of right now, when we're on the doorstep before the coming of the Lord, we're so close. It's not a day for you, sir, or you, ma'am, to harbor any kind of racism or bias in your heart. It's a day for you to say that old song, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. It's a day for us to love everybody. Does it matter who they are? If they have money or if they don't have money. Does it matter if they're white, black, brown, yellow? As I like to say it, if they're pink with purple polka dots, if they can get to the church or if I can get to them, I'm going to love them. I'm going to demonstrate by God's grace that you're a man or you're a woman made in the image of God. And because of that, you're valuable to Jesus Christ. I'm going to reach for you. I'm going to preach to you as you allow. Teach a Bible study. Come to your house. Let's, let's share a meal. Let me sit down at your table. Let me show you what love really looks like. Because that's what we're called to do. Ladies and gentlemen, as I am closing, I want to encourage you. Whatever you do, don't allow there to be any hint of bias or prejudice in your heart. If you know people that have that, you're not necessarily called to change them because the truth is you cannot. But you have to ask yourself the question, if my friendship with them affects me more than I affect them, You need to disrupt that friendship. You need to disconnect that. If their position or their viewpoint of other people causes you to not be a witness and causes you to back up on what you know is right, then you need to disconnect that friendship. I've always preached to our church in relationships, who is affecting who? If other people outside of the church affect you, To live in an ungodly fashion, you need to sever that friendship. But if if friendships cause you to view other people, oh, well, he's he's a white guy, or, or he's a black guy, or, you know, he's just a Hispanic, he's a Latino, or he's just a Mexican. That's what Mexicans always do. You need to censor that, and you need to say, no, sir, that's not what they do. By the grace of God, All of us could live in an ungodly and in an unkind way. There's many people, whites, blacks, Latinos, Mexicans, who have done things. Think about the the Mexican cartels you've heard about. Think about the, uh, uh, the Communist Party of China who has killed, according to history, millions of people. There's bad apples in every race, but there's some precious people that God's calling us to reach for. So we must reach for them. And the truth is, what do we do with bad apples? What did Jesus do with Judas? Who he knew would betray him. You know what he did? He loved him. He washed his feet. He treated him without any partiality. Even though he knew, you'll be the one to betray me. He did not allow that knowledge of an incoming, it's coming, here it comes, it's an injustice, he's going to do you wrong. He did not allow that to cause him to treat Judas any differently. Ladies and gentlemen, the love of Christ compels us to love every man 
in the same manner. The love of Christ compels us to reach for every man and woman knowing you're made in God's image. I love you. I pray you have a great week. And remember, who should you reach out to? Whoever is in proximity to you. If they get close to you, I believe it's by, by divine design that God wants you to reach for them, love them, try to see them one to God and saved. Have a great week. And remember, it's a privilege to be a part of the multicultured and multicolored kingdom of God. Hi, listeners. This is Scott Cooper, producer of the Parkway Podcast. That concludes the show for today. We hope you enjoyed. Remember, we offer video versions of the podcast on our Facebook and YouTube channels, as well as the audio versions on your favorite podcast provider, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We also encourage you to check out our website at www.parkwaychurch.net, where we offer live streaming of our services, as well as video archives and the opportunity to give to help support this ministry so that we can continue to bring you awesome Holy Ghost-filled content each week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in to our next episode.